The Small Queen of Podcast, episode 28. Hi there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Leah Graham, your host. If you're new around here, listen, we like to have fun, but we also like to help you move the needle in your life. I like to call it helping you move from surviving to thriving so you can curate a beautiful queendom in your everyday life. Today, we get to talk to my friend, Kelsey Jorison, who is what I like to call a homesteading queen, a chicken lady, and an all-around green goddess. Kelsey has quite the story for moving from being a very outspoken vegan to now living on a beautiful patch of land in Wisconsin. She is super down to earth. And what I love about Kelsey is while we have so much in common, I can learn so much from her of how, uh, how deeply she has studied the kind of way back to nature and how we can farm humanely, uh, take care of the earth sustainably, and really touch our community by bringing our gifts. Kelsey, on her five-acre farm, raises and loves on beautiful pastured hens and keeps a very tidy organic vegetable garden. It's really cool to follow Kelsey on social media and also check out her website, greenwillowhomestead.com, where she really shares all the ins and outs of life on a homesteading farm. This conversation is really sweet and we have a very fun game at the end. I hope that you will enjoy it and be sure to click that subscribe button sometime during this episode. And if you want to take a screenshot while you're listening, share it on social media and tag me at small queendom and you can tag at Kelsey Jorison as well. All right, let's get to Kelsey. so much for having me on Leah. Listen, why have we not talked on the phone or more and more? Because we've just been <laughs> chatting for like 15 minutes before we decided to record this thing. I know we are like, we're soul sisters, girl. <laughs> we kind of are. I remember one well, of the first, the first time I met you somehow, we started talking about personalities and, and books and you kept saying things that I was about to say. And I felt yes. silly because I was like, oh, she's going to think I'm just being weird. No, absolutely not. You're my soul sister. <laughs> it's so awesome. Okay. Well, we'll get into all that. We'll get into all that. Yes. First off, let's start off, Kelsey. Tell us who you are, girlfriend, what you're all about and, you know, just some background information. So my name is Kelsey Jorson, and I am a farmer, writer, and educator. I call Wisconsin home. We have a five-acre farm here, and within the last three years, we've built up our farm to have about 70 pastured hens, tons of organic vegetables. We do maple syrup, we make kombucha, and we sell it all at our roadside farm stand. We opened the roadside farm stand earlier this year, and oh, it has been the most beautiful gift. I love chatting with my customers. I love meeting people in my community. It taught me, the best lesson it taught me is that local food is the best way to get to know your community and to feel connected. 
to your community. So that is me. And I, and I just published a book. So that's the other, that's the other big, uh, just a, a little, little tidbit there. Yeah. Just a little bit. Amazing. I've been waiting for the new year to get your book because I didn't oh. want to buy it and then not be able to really enjoy it. So you are so sweet. I feel it's like a lot of people are waiting for like that new year's resolution push, just like a fresh state that started with learning a little bit more about sustainable living. So yes, Leah. Well, and I love you. the winter time for reading and kind of doing um, more of those contemplative things, kind of taking cues from the season. Yes, absolutely. I feel like winter is such a great time to reflect mm -hmm. and hit the reset button. Absolutely. Well, since we mentioned it, tell us about your ebook. Oh, for sure. So my ebook is over 200 pages and it gives you room by room guidance from the kitchen to the bedroom to help you understand exactly what actions that you can take to detox your home, live more sustainably and save the planet while you're at it. <laughs> so when I got into farming, I learned an incredible lesson, Leah. I learned that Growing the most nutritious and delicious food imaginable for myself and those I fed had so many perks. I mean, the obvious ones, right? I got stronger, my health improved, my relationship with my body healed, and I got to hang out with like a ton of adorable chickens every day. So yeah, it was awesome. But what I discovered was that the benefits of regenerative organic agriculture it just beyond my health, way beyond my health. As I got healthier, I saw firsthand how my animals became healthier and our local ecosystem started to thrive. I mean, like pollinators, honeybees, more birds. It was gorgeous. So I realized that there's this positive feedback loop. The healthier the earth is, the healthier the animals are, and the healthier we are. And I feel that this is the true meaning of holistic, realizing that we're a part of a whole. So I took this holistic principle, and I started applying it to my everyday life, not just on the farm. I learned firsthand all the opportunities there were in my own home to do better for my health and in turn, the health of the planet. So like I said, from the kitchen to the bedroom, I used this holistic mindset and boosted mine and my family's well-being. We bid goodbye to like digestive issues, we slept better, and our mental health soared, just to name like a few perks. So a light bulb went on, Leah, when I got the time to call from a friend asking, oh, what toxin-free, eco-friendly mattress would I get, you know? <sighs> so I like, I realized I needed to take all these years of research I've done, all the hundreds of studies I've read, and all the products I vetted, and create one accessible resource for others who want to start their sustainable, holistic living journeys and be a force for good. Girl, that is absolutely incredible, incredible. You can just feel your passion coming out. And I just think that it's so important to realize that, you know, you might not be able to change what everyone else is doing, but you can change what you're doing. Exactly. You can be ex an example. And that's honestly why I wrote this book, because instead of just like getting on a soapbox and yelling at my friends and family about doing better... Mm -hmm. for their health and the environment. I was like, I'm just going to work on myself and I'm going to document this and I'm going to find all the research. I'm going to find all the studies. I'm going to do my homework and create a guide for if people want it, they can have it. It's there. Absolutely. And I, I love that too, because, you know, not everyone has five acres, but we might have a good size backyard that right. we can start growing things or exactly. you know, 
It is absolutely possible to live a sustainable life if you are living in an apartment in the city or a home in the burbs. You can absolutely be a part of the solution. I love that. I love that. Okay, girl. So did you grow up kind of awake to these ideas or where, where did this aha moment come from that kind of led you into this trajectory of sustainable living, small farm, you know, uh, green goddess. Yeah. (laughs) Green goddess. I love that. Um, so growing up, I lived in a home in the burps. Like Mm -hmm. we had a larger size lot, but it was less than an acre. I had two dear friends who both had farms and through them, I experienced farm life and I fell in love with it. Leah, it was just, I mean, pastoral, like idyllic, just gorgeous living, you know, it was slow living. Mm -hmm. And I will say growing up, we didn't watch a lot of TV. I was a big bookworm and being out in nature always felt like a second home for me. So I did 4-H growing Mm -hmm. up through my two best friends. And while I didn't have animals to show, I actually got into photography and acting through my 4-H program in my local community, which is what I then went on to college to pursue. So I got my degree my BFA in acting from DePaul's theater school in Chicago. Oh and my I, goodness. I know when I tell people that they're like, what? <laughs> so I was a professional actor for seven years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this, this is where your storytelling and uh, th- that writing comes in probably. For sure. Absolutely. I, one of the things that has steered my life is my creativity heals myself and it heals others. And I've seen that. I've seen that play out in my life with all of the journeys that I've been on, all the different lives that I've led. That has been truly my big why. So I went to college for theater and then I turned my hobby into my career and I realized, oh God, like this is a lot. And Mm -hmm. while I was in college, I had this light bulb moment. I had to balance turning this hobby into my career with something else. So I decided to start pursuing photography. So I got a concentration in photography when I was at DePaul University. And that gave me a second home away from the theater school to have something to call my own. And what's funny is that photography is what financially supported me while I was living in Chicago. Because let's face it, professional actors are a dime a dozen and not, not to like, you know, bash it, but really There's a little to bit make, of that starving artist. Yes, absolutely. That, that was my life as I was a starving artist in Chicago. I had three part-time jobs. I had a business. I photographed, I was acting. I did two national Broadway tours. So when did, when did you realize, okay, I need to get out to a farm? <laughs> you know, that feeling has been inside me ever since I was 12 years old. That pull to be out in the open, to have peace and quiet, to have privacy. I felt claustrophobic when I lived in Chicago, and I fought that feeling for so long. I told myself, you know, if I want to be a successful actor, like, I can't live in the middle of nowhere. Like, this is my journey. This is the path I'm on. And after I graduated, I dealt with a lot of really scary stuff. I had a lot of trauma. Hmm. And to deal with that, I read... Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. Have you ever read this book, Leah? I have not. It's an awesome book. Um, If you're looking to get back in touch with your inner child, to rediscover your creativity, to nurture your creativity, it is a wonderful resource. So the way the book functions, it's like a 12-step program. It's honestly a lot like AA. Uh, (laughs) So I put myself through all 12 steps. I journaled. She has 
you do what she calls morning pages where you just write stream of consciousness. You do a lot of visualization exercises. Mm -hmm. And something that kept coming up for me was this deep need to be with nature and to get my hands in the dirt and to have a piece of earth to call my own. So I read that book and then I read Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Plan. Have yes. you read that book? I have not, but I, I know what you're talking about. I'm it familiar is, with it. Oh, it's such a great book. If you're a foodie, if you care at all about where your food comes from, this is an incredible place to start is Michael mm. Plan's book. So I read that book and at the time I was a vegan. I'd been a vegan all through college. I had watched, I, I feel like many people have seen this documentary. I watched Forks Over Knives. Yes. Oh, and it just like tore my heart open. I'm an animal lover. Like yes. I really am. And seeing that I saw factory farming and thought I cannot be a part of this. I can't support this with my money. Like there's no way. So I like cut myself off cold turkey, went vegan for four years and reading Michael Plan's book, Postgrad, he brings up a very famous farmer. This farmer changed my life. Ms. Joel Salatin. Have you heard of Joel? Listen, Joel lives about three hours from oh, here. What? Oh my God. He does. I'm very I'm starstruck. Yes. One of our best friends, uh, they are a farming family and okay. they're the ones that have the uh, micro dairy. Yes. Small um, family cows that they are now, they're just low pasteurization because we have to get through Virginia requirements. Yeah. But yeah. it's just been an incredible option for local families who you know, don't really feel comfortable going raw, but right. also don't want an option from the grocery store. Yeah. Um, anyway, so our friends have, um, have met Joel, been to his farm. So ah! it's, it's been incredible to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. That is a lifelong dream of mine is to get to Polyface Farms. So come to I, Virginia. And I know, right? Seriously. So I heard his name in this book and I learned about the way he farms. He has animals back out on pasture, the way nature intended, letting them fulfill their instinctual needs in the sunshine, fresh water, good food. And this light went on inside of me. I was like, oh, I guess farming can be good. You know, like farming can be a good thing. And the more that I read about Joel Salatin, I read all his books. I learned more about regenerative agriculture. I learned how soil health is the most important thing when it comes to growing food, the most important thing for animal health and animal welfare. I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't just want to read about it anymore. I had to put action to my values. Sorry, my cats are like freaking out at each other. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Do you hear them? No, I can't hear okay. them. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> Edit that out. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. So I decided to put action to my values and start learning about homesteading. I didn't know that farming was in my future. I just wanted to be more responsible for where my food came from. And when I became vegan, you know, I watched those factory farmed animals suffer and I said to myself, I'll never eat meat again. But then this shift happened when I learned about Joel Salatin and the way that he farmed in Omnivore's Dilemma. And at the time, I'd been having a lot of health issues. I had a lot of brain fog. My menstruation cycle had disappeared. I had a lot of adult acne. And I just felt like I was suffering. And my diet was very vegan. And the healthy version of vegan, not like the junk food healthy. Not like the Oreo version. version. Yeah, not the French fry version. Like I really was eating tofu and brown rice and kale. And I just did not feel well. So while I was vegan, I tried to climb Pikes Peak with my father and his side of the family, and I could not summit. I hit altitude sickness so bad. I was so dizzy. I had 
worked out and prepared for this. Like you would prepare for a marathon. I was heartbroken that I couldn't get wow. to the top. So when I read Jules, about Joel Salatin and I learned that there was a different way you could farm, I thought, I wonder what would happen if I reintroduced meat back into my diet? At the same time, I decided to get tested for celiac disease. I came back positive and I was like, it's time to make a change. So literally my entire diet was full of gluten. And oh, I, really? yes, I got rid of the gluten. I decided that I could stop eating out so much. I could stop spending so much money on going to bars in Chicago and instead reevaluate my finances and put that money towards buying grass fed meat, pasture based pork and, and chicken. So I did. I like went to Whole Foods, had a grass fed steak. It was a cathartic experience and oh. <laughs> I've never looked back. Oh, wow. So now I bet you just uh, lay on the butter. Oh my God. So much butter. So much grass fed butter. I eat so many eggs. Yes. I healed my body by changing the way that I ate, by opening up my mind to other possibilities that maybe veganism isn't the only way to be more sustainable. And it really turned a corner for my life. Mm. So I learned more about homesteading and raising your own animals. And I said to myself, I really want to be responsible for my meat. Oh. So did a ton of research and I mean, Paul and I, my partner, we bounced back and forth between Chicago, Milwaukee. We lived up north for a while with our parents. And finally he got a job offer down here in Milwaukee and we came back and him getting that job allowed for us to qualify for a mortgage. And when we were like, oh my God, we can finally afford a home. We knew we had to have land. And I was like, I want chickens. I want a garden. Like, I want all this space. I want quiet. And then Paul's, Paul's a dirt biker. So he's like, I need trails. I want a dirt bike. I need a workshop so I can work on my dirt bike. And Kismet happened. We saw this place that came on the market the day it came on the market. And uh, we made an offer that night. Five acres. Home was an afterthought but it had outbuildings, it had oh, pasture, amazing. it had mature trees, it was quiet, it was on a quiet road. And it was kismet. We, our offer was accepted and here we are. Oh, wow. That is such an amazing story. You know, when I, when I, it's all coming together now because your Instagram feed is gorgeous because one, you're a photographer, so <laughs> you know how to take a really nice picture. Thank you. Your gardens are beautiful. I, I'm always commenting on your Instagram stories, your, your ladies. I call your chickens your ladies. I know. I love it. <laughs> They're adorable. But this is, I love knowing this backstory because now um, it kind of brings those images alive and what your message is as well. It's beautiful. I think it's interesting that you kind of, you kind of hit all the pendulum marks. You know, you were kind of living that normal lifestyle and then you went vegan, you know, the pendulum right. went one way you're vegan. And then you're like, well, maybe I don't have to, maybe it's not all black and white. Maybe that there is something in the middle between conventional and vegan. Exactly. And, and you found that that's beautiful. So you have your chickens and you have your beautiful garden. Do you, what's your vision for your farm? Do you think you will expand to bring on more, maybe small livestock or what are you thinking? Oh, you know, I, when we started with this property, I was like, we're going to get pigs. We're going to get goats. I want a dairy cow, all these things. Here's the thing. Farming is hard. It is. Yes. And if you and your partner are not on the same page, it's even harder. I have seen so many farming couples go into divorce, 
lose their mm. farms, lose their land because they take, they bite off more than they can chew. And I have realized within this last year, having opened the farm stand, that there is so much power in saying enough. This mm. is enough. So right now we have about 70 pastured birds. We have a big old garden. We tap our trees for maple syrup and we make kombucha. And selling this last year, meeting our local community through the farm stand, I'm realizing that this is enough. And this is a really good balance. I can handle it on my own because the truth is that this is not Paul's passion. This is my passion. And I've taken the reins. I like to say I'm CEO and he's sometimes operations manager. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Heavy lifting. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think we're at a good place right now. If we were to expand, with, I am considering in 2019 to increase the amount of chickens that we have for our pasture poultry operation. We can't keep up with demand for our area. People love our eggs. We always sell out. And I hate it when people come and they open that fridge and there's no eggs inside. It just makes me so sad. Because I've actually been there. When I used to get pastured eggs from a local farmer, that would happen to me. And I'd be like, oh. And I know that you never blame the farmer. But I would, I would love to keep up with demand. So um, ironically enough, one of the farmers that did get a divorce and is uh, selling some stuff has a eggmobile, which for those who don't know, an eggmobile is a hay wagon with a coop on top that you can move around with a tractor. So you can give Our them a friends new piece. Have that. Yes! So you can give them a new piece of pasture every day. We have A-frame mobile chicken tractors, which are a little bit smaller, and we can put about 15 to 20 birds in there. But the mobile chicken tractor, the big one, the eggmobile, you can fit like a hundred birds there. Now, our land, we are kind of at capacity for the amount of birds that we could have. We would have to ask a neighbor and we have really good relationships with our neighbors here with where we live. A lot of them are zone agricultural like us. So one of my ideas is just like a glimmer in my eye right now is to reach out to one of our neighbors, ask if they'd be interested in us setting up our eggmobile on their property and they'd get free eggs. You know, if we it's wanted to work good out. for their soil for the chickens. Oh, yes, too. absolutely. Well, just this last year, getting the um, A-frame mobile chicken tractors, the ones we have already, out on the pasture, it was incredibly diverse. Like, so many different plants. It stayed green into December. Like, that has never happened before. Wow. So, it was just, yeah. Like, it seeing this awesome. stuff. Yeah, I know. Seeing this stuff firsthand is so empowering. It makes me, it makes me feel like I'm on the right path. You know what I mean? So I'm, I have a few questions to ask you then. So have you been able to identify other farmers or sources of, of meat that you feel comfortable consuming in your local area? Or are you relying on Whole Foods or a grocery store to get those other options? So I, this is not to bash anybody who goes to Whole Foods or, you know, exactly. whatever grocery store. Like yeah, you, there's no judgment here. No judgment. I decided I, as a farmer, I was like, I need to go and benefit a farmer whose face I can actually see, whose voice I can hear on the phone and Absolutely. give them my money. So I did research. We have what's called the Fresh Farmer Atlas in Wisconsin for Southeastern Wisconsin. And it is a directory of all of the small scale farmers that are doing like organic growing, regenerative growing, beekeeping, goats. Incredible. Yes. It's such a great resource. So is that a common resource that areas have, or is that just something you think is specific to yours? 
It is specific to us, but I do believe other places do it. It, I mean, it takes a small group of determined citizens to put it together. You know, it takes work to make that a really good resource that you can rely on. And I'm so thankful for the people who do it here in Wisconsin. I know that our ex local extension office was a way for people to find Okay. Atlas. So if you are in your area and you want to reach out and ask if that exists, I think your extension office, your local extension office is a great place to start. Um, localharvest.org is another great place to start to find local farmers. But we found a farmer in our area. Um, he's about an hour away and he has a farm called Solar Harvest Farms and he does pasture pig, grass-fed cow, chicken, all the good stuff. And they released this really intense newsletter too that talks about know the government and how that's affecting the agricultural sector and what the subsidies mean and I read it once a year it's very dense but it teaches me a lot about what exactly is happening with the farming economy um, and I'm very happy to support a farmer who's like politically active and knows what's going on and wants to be a part of a better future absolutely that's that's really great I'm gonna um, add that resource there and uh, I really encourage the listeners to um, either if you have a farmer's market in the area, I would definitely go there because that's a great way to meet people. But then also maybe just like dig around a little bit, get on Google and see if you can find where there could be a possible directory in your area. That, that's a great idea. So Kelsey, I was listening to your podcast, the Positively Green podcast, which is so fun and very, um, it's very informational while not being judgmental. I think you all are doing a really great job with your podcast there. And and you said a term that I had been using and I hadn't ever heard anyone use it before. And you said the words beyond organic. And so prepping for this podcast, I mentioned that I wanted you to explain what that means. And because I think a lot of people now are open to the idea of like, okay, I probably should try to buy organic and do better with my diet. But can you kind of give us some insight to why maybe the organic lettuce that we're grabbing from the grocery store, the traditional grocery store might not be what we think it is and um, just different things to look out for there. Totally. So before we launch into this, I don't intend to shame anyone for where they are in their food journey. If you just made the switch to organic food and you're hearing this right now, I want you to know that you're doing an amazing job and you should be so proud. To yes, have taken. huge round of, round of applause there. Yes. Be proud you've taken this step for you and your family's health. So if you're a meat eater, which as you know, I am now, what I'm going to tell you is going to make your heart hurt. The most recent changes to the organic regulations for livestock have removed the animal welfare regulations meaning there are no longer requirements for them to have outdoor access and reduced, they reduced the minimum size requirements per animal. What I find so interesting is that small farmers are begging so much of the time for less regulation to sell directly to consumers, but the organic standards current deregulation has been met with a cry for more regulation from organic farmers. Mm -hmm. In deregulating and loosening these rules, major food corporations are able to get in on the organic label and cash in on this increasing sector of ethically minded consumers, pushing out small farmers like myself. So what we're looking at is a hand grab at money, power, and a total disregard for animal welfare. The Agriculture Marketing Service received about 72,000 comments on the proposal to eliminate the rule on the Federal Register's website. And an overwhelming majority of those comments, more than 63,000, 
opposed this decision. Wow. So it blows my mind that the USDA moved forward with removing these animal welfare regulations. So when I say that it's time for us to go beyond organic, it means that you need to know your farmer. When you do, you have the ability to ask them how they care for the animals, what they feed them, if they use pesticides or herbicides, and any good farmer who sees their job as one of earth stewardship is going to jump up and down with glee to have found a well-informed customer like you. Believe me, anytime I have someone ask what we feed our chickens and where their feed comes from, I get totally giddy. So to me, what this comes down to is a total lack of transparency in our food system, not knowing where your food actually comes from, and I'm talking knowing the name of the person who grew your food. That lack of transparency has caused not only animal welfare issues to be a huge thing, but massive human rights issues and environmental consequences as well. So to me, going beyond organic is a really great step to take in your food journey, and I invite you to take it. That I, yeah, I am right there with you. When it comes to that beyond organic, um, we have really pared down to uh, who we know is growing, you know, raising the livestock. We recently uh, were able to purchase um, an entire lamb that (gasps) a family, um, a local family that I'm friends with, uh, they have a small herd of sheep, or excuse me, they have a small herd of lambs and uh, they they process them. So pretty much now we eat uh, beef, chicken, lamb, and then we pretty much try to um, incorporate more vegetable yeah. trays into our diet. I mean, we're not perfect. I would say this is 80, 20 for us for sure, but I just, I feel so much better about it. And especially even when you look at, even if it was like, okay, well, let's just go by what's organic. You know, there's so many things where genetically modified things are still coming in, you know, pesticides or herbicides are still being used. They're just labeled organic. So it's not just so black and white, like organic is like the the magic wand for everything. It's true. The other thing to keep in mind is that we can have food coming in from other countries and their organic standards are very different than ours. But because of the way things are set up within our food system, those will still get labeled organic and sold on the shelves in the United States. Yes. That's another thing to be wary of. So... Can you help us out if we are like, okay, I'm going to try to find some local sources for some of these things. Um, Let's say I see a new farmer at the farmer's market stand, or I drive by the road and there is a a little farmer's stand um, on someone's property. What would be the kinds of questions that you would suggest that we ask to investigate? Like, is this going to align with these values? Totally. So first of all, say that you're a potential customer, you're a new customer, and you just want to know what they're doing, how they're farming and tell them like, you know, I'm getting into organic food and that's kind of one of the things I'm really passionate about. Would you say that you're in line with the organic standards, even if you're some, sometimes farmers are not certified organic because it's cost prohibitive for them, ourselves included. Yes. Sometimes farmers are certified naturally grown, which does now finally have a badge that you can put on packaging and it means something. Okay. So ask the farmer how they grow. Do they use any herbicides or pesticides? How they raise their animals? And ask, trying to think what else. Do they, um, do they do any processing themselves of animals or do they use a local avatar for animals? I think letting your instinct guide you 
your own values guide you is going to help you ask the right questions. And like I said, if a farmer is doing the right things, they're going to be so excited to answer these questions for you. Don't be scared. I've also found that many of the farmers in our community want you to come visit their farm. It's true. We do. I love it when people come to the farm and they're like, can we see the chickens? I'm like, yeah, you can see the chickens. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I found. They're like, come on anytime. Or they have regular farm tours or they have community events at their farm. Um, there's this one farmer that, that we uh, purchase from very regularly. And every year he has a huge like picnic potluck oh. that he invites. And there's a lot of people that attend and it's really sweet. And it's a community event for sure. That's amazing. All right, girl, we could talk about this for. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like I need to have you come back on to talk about sustainability another time. Would that yes. be me? Oh yeah, oh my God, I would love that, Leah. Kelsey, are you ready to play a game? I am so ready to play a game, Leah. I want you to, you know, turn back the time about 20 years. Okay. Okay. Right. Imagine we're at a sleepover. Okay. And I pull out a notebook and I say, we're going to play MASH. Yes. I love MASH. <laughs> okay. Now I've adapted it a little bit. All right. So here are your categories for MASH. Dream job, claim to fame. A type of dwelling, mm. so that could be a van, it could be a farmhouse, it could be a beach house, it doesn't matter. Totally. And uh, like dream location to live. Okay. Three dream jobs. Okay, well, farmer, <laughs> motivational speaker, and um, nutritionist. All right, now tell me three uh, types of dwelling that you would like to live in. Oh, like a hundred-year-old farmhouse. Okay. A home that's like net zero energy, like a green home. Ooh. And a little log cabin. Claim to fame. Uh, dancing with my chickens. <laughs> um, giving one of the top 10 TED Talks. Ooh. Um, and shifting consumer consciousness in America. And now... Uh, three dream locations to live. Now this could be anywhere. So. Okay. <clears throat> Italy. Duh. Um, Duh. In the Umbria region specifically. <sighs> so beautiful. Where is that? Um, it's near Tuscany. Okay. I love where we live now. I love okay. Wisconsin. Um, specifically the Viola area is so beautiful. And then uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Ooh, that's near me. Yes. So gorgeous. It is lovely. There's this, um, there's a, there's a highway that basically it's the Blue Ridge highway that you can just drive through and it's yes. time. My fiance and I, we did that two, three years ago for our anniversary. And we did the tail of the dragon on his motorcycle. It was so fun. Oh, fun. Okay. So now I'm going to give you your results. Okay. <laughs> okay. Kelsey, here is your, uh, mash results. Okay. You're going to be a farmer. Yes. And very appropriately, you will be living in the Blue Ridge Mountains in your 100-year-old farmhouse. This is my dream life. And you will be known for shifting consumer consciousness in America. Whoop, whoop. I'm all about that life. Honestly, this could be predictive. I know. <laughs> this can actually happen. Oh, it can. <laughs> 
All right. So a couple questions. What are your favorite podcasts? So my favorite podcast, first of all, I love yours, Leah. Yours is such a fun little soundbite. I listen to you on Tuesdays when I wait for Paul to get to the gym before we do yoga and I just walk the track. That is so sweet. No, seriously, like you've given me such great tools for my mental health toolbox. So I appreciate what you do. Um, I also love Sustainable Dish with Diana Rogers. She is also an organic farmer who is super into the paleo movement. She went to get her uh, nutrition license. She's a registered nutritionist or dietitian. What is it? Registered dietitian? A dietitian, I think. Okay. So she's a dietitian. She went back to school for it, knowing, you know, all the bad science behind eating fat and just like fought through the, what's the word I'm looking for? The government uh, pyramid. Yeah. Like um, (laughs) she, she fought through the status quo and now counsels people in a hospital setting. She's amazing. She's also working on a documentary called The Sacred Cow, which talks about how livestock herding animals can actually help curb climate change, not hurt it. And it's not the cow, it's the how. That's her tagline. I love it. So the next one I love is Harder to Kill Radio with Steph Gadro. I don't know if that's how you say her name. She used to be Stupid Easy Paleo. Um, and she is just all about like being your best self, like physically, mentally, emotionally. She, uh, one of my favorite podcasts she had on was she had Dr. Lara Bryden on to talk about menstrual health and it just like changed my life. So oh, I'll link that up. Yes. Dr. Lara Bryden's amazing too. And then I love the Tim Ferriss show. Like he has been my guidepost for the last five years as I've like worked on getting passive income businesses started with my partner, getting passive income businesses started for myself. The whole personal development, you know, thing that he has going on has been instrumental and formative for me to be the best Kelsey Jorson I can be. Absolutely. Love that. Now tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So I launched a podcast in October with my good friend, Becca, with Organically Becca. She is also a green living lady who is super passionate about living holistically. And we wanted to create a space for others that wasn't zealous, that wasn't polarizing when it came to sustainable living. Like we are not perfect and we want you to know that we still throw plastic away sometimes. And we talk about topics ranging from how to go plastic free without feeling guilty or judged all the time to learning about what's in your water. It's, there's a whole range of stuff to living a green life and we want to cover it all for you and put it into bite-sized pieces that you feel like you can incorporate it into your life. So we want to empower you to live a green life you'll love. Awesome. Tell us the name. It's called Positively Green Podcast. Perfect. I will link that up as well in the show notes. All right. Let's see. Kelsey, what do you have on your book list queue for the year? Oh, what's on my book list queue? So many books. I am such a book junkie. It's a problem. Um, Okay. So right now I have a few books going at once. And the first one is The Zero Waste Solution by Paul Conant. It's all about zero waste activism and how like truly to shift consumer consciousness, we have to start in our local municipality because recycling happens at a local level, not a national level. Mm -hmm. And this book has been so empowering for me to get started and it inspired me to launch my own form of activism, which is hashtag packaging for the planet. If you want to join the movement, 
I'll have Leah leave a little link in the show notes. We are all about joining together and focusing on one company every two weeks, sending them an email through their customer service saying, hey, we adore your product. Is there any way you'd consider fully recycling pack, fully recyclable packaging or fully compostable packaging? Because we're throwing stuff in the garbage and it's going to the landfill. And in order to live a sustainable life, these are one of the habits we have to look at. So that book is awesome. And then the next book I'm reading is The Wild Crafting Brewer by Pascal Badoir. And it's all about using your local fauna and flora to brew your own boozy concoctions. Oh and my gosh. Yes. Oh my God. It's so fun. I, I do kombucha, obviously, but we have also done some dandelion wine in the past two years. And that's been so much fun. And what Pascal does is he just deconstructs the, the like status quo basically around what it means to make your own booze and he makes it accessible and fun and choose your own adventure. He gives you really great ground rules and then encourages you to break them and experiment. So I'm really looking forward to spring. I want to make like some gluten-free beer. I want to make some elderberry flower champagne, like just such fun stuff. Um, What is something that keeps you up at night? Okay. So I recently watched Bird Box on Netflix. I'm not going to watch that. Don't. You're a mother. Just don't watch it. I'm not going to. Oh, my God. I have a thing for apocalyptic stories and apocalyptic movies. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a primal thing. Like, the would I survive? So lately at night, I've been just, like, thinking about all the different forms of apocalypses that can if I would survive them or not. I'm like, okay, we're on a farm. We have this many chickens. We'd survive for this many days. I learned this about like, if you take a shower after like a nuclear fallout, you're not supposed to use conditioner because it binds the radioactive material to your hair. Girl, I am not a prepper. Let me say that. I am not. I'm not of that mindset at all. But there's something about like priming my brain for an apocalyptic like happening that just, I don't know, it gets me going. I, I don't know if I enjoy it or if I don't, but I think about it. Anyways. Okay. I have to ask you this question then, and we're going to have to talk about this another time, but I have to know, did you decide on what your Enneagram type is? Yes. I am a type three. I knew that about you because we're, you know, we're uh, sisters from another mister. Yes. <laughs> But I want you to know that in a three in health moves to the qualities of a six. Really? And, and a six is all about worst case scenario. <laughs> so they are very much thinking about all the what ifs. Oh my God. You know what I've been calling this, Leah? Rehearsing. I have noticed this about my emotional, mental state is that I rehearse a lot lately. I just think about scenarios and I think about my reaction and I view the way I feel inside and that just like hit it on the head. Well, and also I think the three and the six connection is because you as a three need to know the rules and the framework for any situation so you can do what you do best and that's achieve and that's to, you know, rise to the top. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my God. So even in the apocalypse, Kelsey is going to make it. Thanks. I'm glad I have your, uh, your blessing. Oh my gosh. All right. Two more quick questions. All right. Um, normally I ask my guests, what was the last thing they Amazon prime? But since you're all about kind of that green lifestyle, I wanted to ask you, what is your most re- recent or favorite good for the planet product? So I have to say this 
question. Like, I love that you ask people what's on Amazon Prime. Amazon is a place where we all have access to the same things at the same price. Totally. That's not a bad thing. And I use Amazon Prime. And in fact, my book that I just released, I wanted all the products that I suggest to be available to everyone. So I only, most of the time, I want to say, oh, 80% of the products in my book are available through Amazon because I wanted them to be available for everybody. I agree. I love the, I love the availability. I think uh, maybe, well, maybe it's a false judgment. Maybe I was um, putting some of my consumerism thoughts on that question. Right. And like, this is, I love these types of conversations. Amazon isn't inherently bad. It's the way that business is done there. And, you know, Jeff Bezos is the most rich man in the world, blah, blah, blah. And the workers who work in the warehouses, I don't know if you've read about any of that. That can be really scary, terrible conditions. And there's a lot of stipulations as to when you get paid and how you get paid. And you have to do your research and you have to make an educated choice. And I did my research and my personal preference is that, yes, I'm going to still use Amazon so that I can have access to these awesome companies. Sometimes I will hop over and Google a company and then purchase straight from their website because a lot of the time, and I know this personally from having an e-commerce business, even though the book or the product or whatever is on Amazon, they are still shipping from their own fulfillment center. They're not necessarily using the Amazon warehouse, which is where a lot of these problems are happening. Um, And that's actually, that's true of our business um, that my partner and I run. So we have a fulfillment center in Minnesota who has incredible working conditions. Everyone has amazing health benefits. We vetted them for that reason. So just because a company is selling through Amazon doesn't mean they're necessarily shipping through Amazon. That's a great point. Something to think about, but back to your actual question. I purchased on Amazon some reusable silicone or some reusable silicone Ziploc bags because I had this huge stack of Ziploc and I was like, it's wasteful to just throw this away. Even though I know it's terrible, I might as well use them, get through them and then finally make the switch. So got through them, made the switch. And I love these Ziploc bags. They're freezer friendly. They don't leach if you heat them up in the microwave. Like they are awesome. I got a pack of four and honestly, that's all I've needed. Yes, yes. And they're dishwasher safe too. They're dishwasher safe, which I love. I have a couple of those. Have you ever heard of mightiness.com? No. Really cool company. You need to check them out. Um, so years ago when Amazon wasn't selling things like silicones and black bags or the bees wax wraps, I was getting those products from Mighty Nest. Okay. And they even have a monthly uh, like little box. Oh. It's $10 and they send you like an eco uh, product every month. And that's how I first found out about those products. That's amazing. I have to check yeah. them out. I'll put a link for that too. But yeah, I agree. Those are great products. All right. Last question. If you could go back and give advice to your younger self, what would you tell her? Well, I found this question interesting because I don't know what it is lately with my like emotional space, but I keep on having these random memories about my childhood and even some stuff in high school and college. And I've started to become a lot more emotionally aware and then trying, working hard to become neutral with those emotions. So as these memories come up, what I've started to do is to give that that younger girl, that 12-year-old girl, that 14-year-old girl, that 19-year-old girl, a physical hug. Oh. I just hold that image in my head about, you know, what it was that happened to me when I was 12 that was really hard. And 
I just imagine giving her the biggest hug and just surrounding her with love and unconditional, you know, love and warmth. And it has been really great, like emotionally releasing and freeing for me. And it's acknowledging that these things happened to me or, you know, my younger self, this is what happened to me, but it's, it's surrounding myself with the love that I didn't get in those situations. That's beautiful. So if I could tell my younger self one thing, it would just be, I'm going to give you a big hug. Just hold on. Here's a hug. Yeah, that's beautiful. That, that's lovely. Thank you, Kelsey. Listen, Kelsey, this has been awesome. Yes, it has I'm been. I'm saying right now you're going to be back because yes. you have a whole list of things that we didn't even get to talk about. I know. <laughs> a good problem to have. But before we sign out, let us know how our listeners can um, find you on the internet and all the things that you're doing. For sure. So if you want to check out my blog and the ebook, you can visit me at greenwillowhomestead.com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Kelsey Jorison, K-E-L-S-E-Y-J-O-R-I-S-S-E-N. Wonderful. And I'll put all of that in the show links. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, Kelsey. All right. Wasn't that a great episode? Thank you, Kelsey, for being on here. Big shout out. You all check out the show notes. It's going to be chock full of all the things we mentioned. And I really encourage you to check out Kelsey's ebook, The Holistic Home. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. This is going to be something that we will return to time and time again. And listen, I hope you just have a wonderful, fabulous, and fun week. Stay strong and always be kind. Bye-bye.